0: good morning morning. hey somebody over there got the joke um good job him good morning (laughs) just him alone all right so never mind um i really need a sign that says you're supposed to say good morning back or something um it's uh we're three weeks into this uh breaking through series and this is our third week and so for those of you who are asking yourself, when is Chris coming back? Uh, don't worry, that time is almost here. I really appreciate him giving me the opportunity to hang out with you guys for a few weeks. Um, you know, the first couple of weeks we talked about, um, the first week we talked about how God exposes us and, and how he goes to great lengths to expose us because he loves us and because he understands that uh, when we expose those things that we keep in dark places, when we expose those things that um, we try to, that are, that sin in our life that we don't want to talk about that ...that we try to keep hidden. When He exposes those things, He does it to free us because He loves us. And He understands that we can live in a different way. And then last week we talked about our perspective. And, and making sure that our perspective is focused on the fact that God gave us the greatest miracle we could ever get... ...in the fact that He forgave us. And the fact that everything we've ever done, everything we will do, He forgives. And, and there's no bigger miracle than that. There's nothing else that can happen. There's nothing else that can top that. Um, the greatest miracle He ever gave us was that He forgave us. And, and we talked about how that perspective needs to shape our direction. And that perspective needs to determine the direction that we go. And this week, we're going to talk about our choices. And we're going to talk about how our choices inevitably define us. And we'll we'll eventually be known for the choices that we made. See, my hope and my prayer is that if I died right now, um, if if I if this was it, if I passed on stage and I died and you guys had a funeral and 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 anyone showed up, that they would say a few things about me. Uh, Number one, that that it would be said that I was a Christ follower, that I passionately pursued God. Number two, that it would be said that I was a great husband, that I loved my wife like Christ loved the church, that I would do anything for her. Number three, that I would be a great, that I would be known as a great father, that my children would know and the people around me would know, hey, I could be tough, but I love my kids. I'd do anything for them. I'd fight for them to the ends of the earth fourth thing I'd want to be known for would be being a great pastor, being a great family pastor, a great, uh, somebody who worked hard uh, and, uh, and and was able to accomplish some things, that Jesus was able to accomplish some things through me. My fear, though, my fear is that my workaholic tendency sometimes takes over and that I might be more known for the worker that I was and not for the Christ follower I was. Not for the father I was. Not for the, the, the uh, I don't know which one I just said, but the husband and father I, I was. My fear is that I'll eventually be known, if I died right now, I'd be known more for being a hard worker. Because at the end of the day, the choices I make determine... What I'm known for, the choices I make day in and day out will inevitably shape how people view me, will inevitably shape how people think of me. The the way that I actually live, the choices that I make in day in and day out life will inevitably shape the view that people have. And so if I know that, then that has to determine the choices that I make, not because I want you to think anything of me. But because I understand that Jesus paid a high price for my freedom, and that my life needs to live to be to be lived in such a way that makes His name big. See, a lot of times we get all wrapped up in this whole uh, in the whole salvation, and, and, and here's the prayer, and here's the experience, and we show up, and it's a great thing. But then it doesn't come with any dedication in the rest of our lives. See, we like to say that we're one thing, we like to say that we're this, we like to say that we're that. We like to tell people in a really nice, uh, poetic way that this is what we believe in and this is what we think. But at the end of the day, what we think and how we live don't match up. How we think and how we live uh, don't match up with the choices that we make day in and day out. It's the choices that we make that will inevitably determine what you were known for. It's the choices that you make that will inevitably define you to the rest of the world. See, the beautiful part about this is that we have a God that paid a high price for our freedom. He sent his son, his son lived with us, then he died a painful death and then he got back up. But during that time of death, Jesus had to take on all of God's wrath, all of God's fury, all of God's punishment. And what defines us in God's eyes, where we should find our own self-worth, is in the price that we cost him. What should define who we are. And, and how much we're view, worth. And what how we view ourselves. Is, is the price that we cost God. Is the, is the price that was paid for us. And it was high. But what will determine who we are. And how we're known on this world. In this world, excuse me. On this planet. Is the choices that we make day in and day out. Because the choices we make will inevitably define us. Of that I have no doubt. And so if I want to be known as a Christ follower, if I want to be known as a great husband, if I want to be known as a great father, then the choices I make every day have to line up with that. Otherwise, I want to be known for something that I don't really want to be. And if you really want to be someone who pursues God, then it goes beyond saying, I want to pursue God. There's a vast dichotomy between I want to be this and I will do this. And today we're going to talk about how those choices inevitably shape us and and the hard thing about this whole series the hard thing about putting this together is it's really complicated to put a series around a thought as big as it's the will of god for the people of god to become like christ it's the will of god for the people of god to become more like christ because that's not a very tangible thing and i really prefer being able to get up here and say if you add this to this you'll get this I prefer logical, easy explanation of how life should work and what should happen and what should go on. That's just my preference. But the bottom line is, it is complicated to explain it's the will of God for the people of God to become like Christ. Because there's parts of that that I can't define for you. There's parts of that I still haven't been able to define for myself. There's parts of that that I can't tell you what that looks like for you. I can't tell you how that's going to play out in your life. I just know that our perspective has to be completely focused on God, what he's calling us to, where he's taking us, what he wants from us. And it has to go beyond, I want to be this. It has to be, I will change my life so that I am this. So it's the will of God for the people of God to become like Christ. That's a, that's a phrase we've said over or I've said over and over and over again. But I want you to know that this has been a very hard thing for me to process. How am I going to share this with you guys? So if it hasn't made any sense, blame Chris. Today we're going to, each week we've looked in the book of Mark and we've looked at the rich young ruler. And we've we've used that as a launching pad to go and to look at some other places in Scripture because I think there's a lot we can learn from the rich young ruler. I think there's a lot in just the two or three sentence interchange, exchange, excuse me, that him and Jesus had that we can take and we can learn about our own life. And so we're going to start there again. So if you've got your Bibles or if you have your smartphone, go ahead and open that up, uh, open, get it to you version or whatever, and go to Mark 10. And we're going to look at this rich young ruler again today. I know some of you are thinking, man, I'm tired of hearing about this guy. Uh, deal with it. Um, uh, I feel for you. You can email your complaints to josh at One Church. Dot TV oh no so we're marked 10 um, verse 17 it's right here I'm just going to read it from here as Jesus was starting out on his way as Jesus was starting out on his way through Jerusalem a man came running up to him and knelt down and asked good teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life why do you call me good Jesus asked only God." Is truly good. We're going to talk about that next week. I can't wait. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me at this. The man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. That's where we're going to stop today. And we talked a little bit about this on the first week. We talked a little bit about the man and how he made a choice to walk away from Jesus, how his face fell, he immediately didn't even have to think about it. And so he's, interchanging, he's exchanging some conversation with Jesus. He's, he's saying, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is saying, okay, do this and this and this and this. And he says, okay, I'm done. And then I've got that, I've got that down. And then there's a moment, there's a moment where Jesus thinks and looks upon him with genuine love and because he loves him, he exposes him. Because he loves him, he says, yeah, but that thing you didn't want me to bring up, that's what I need you to get rid of and go. I mean, go and sell it and come back. And the guy didn't think about it. He didn't process it. He didn't think, hey, can I have uh, five minutes? He just said, okay, I'm going to go. And he walks away. And in that moment, that choice, he chose to be defined, listen, He chose to be defined by what he couldn't live without. Rather than the story he could have lived for. In that moment. The rich young ruler decided to be defined by what he couldn't live without, his things, his possessions, his stuff, all that stuff. It was so important to him. He chose in that moment to be defined by what he couldn't live without rather than the story he could have been a part of. Rather than the story that Jesus was inviting him into and asking him to be a part of. In that moment, that choice, he chose to be defined by what he couldn't live without. Now, I wonder sometimes if we were able to go back and, or if we were able to stand with him now, 2,000, 3,000 years later and say, hey, you think you'd have done anything differently? If he would have said, if he would say, no, I'm cool with the choice I made. Because I don't think that he took a minute and said to himself, I want to be defined by the things I can't do without. No what Jesus is calling me into. I don't think that's how it went down. Could have been. I don't know. It wasn't there. But I think that he just knew that God, that Jesus had asked too much of him, more than he was willing to give. And so he didn't think about it. He didn't have the process it. he just, his face drops and he walks away. And in that moment, that choice is something that 3,000 years, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about. That I'm using as an example in a sermon to say that he chose to be defined by what he couldn't live without versus the story he could have lived and been a part of. It was a moment... It was a defining moment, but it was a choice that he made. And your choices will inevitably determine what you're known for. And he had a moment, and he chose that Jesus, God, wasn't worth it. And I wonder if we could go back and ask if he was sure what he would say. So we're going to look, we're going to use that and we're going to launch off into numbers and, and the numbers 21. And it's in the old Testament. Um, if you've got your, uh, you version, it should be really easy to find. Just type in numbers. Uh, but it's in 21 and, and this is a deal where they are kind of uh, wandering. They're traveling right now. Okay. And they start to pout and whine. Anybody ever pout and whine? Um, as should go, um, and uh, so the, and so God punishes them, and uh, this is an interesting story. Twenty one four, the bronze, uh, the bronze snake. Then the people of Israel set out from Mahor, talking, excuse me, taking the road to the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey. That's never happened to me, and they began. To speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There is nothing to eat here and drink, and we hate this horrible manna. God had been literally raining food down for them from the sky like rain, and they complained. That's incredible. I, I could totally see us being like, I'm tired of eating this stuff. You're... Anyway, so the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people and many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, we have sinned speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snake. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, make a replica of the poisonous snake, attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses Jesus. Moses made a snake out of a bronze, uh, out of bronze and attached it to the pole. Then anyone who was bitten by the snake could look at the bronze snake and could be healed. So they are whining and complaining because the journey is long. Okay. How many of you have ever been there? How many of you have ever been in that place where the journey is long and it's tired and you're, you just start complaining and whining and pouting, right? Yeah. I've, I'm there now. Um, give me a minute and I'll pout about it right now. But sometimes, that, and we just start asking questions like, God, why do you have us here? What are you doing? I don't understand. And we're just so impatient. We don't have any patience to wait for God's timing, for what he's trying to do, for what he wants to do. And so we start to get angry and we start to want to get control and we start to want to make our own choices. And we start to start thinking, okay, I'm just gonna grab the bull by the horns, if you will, I'm gonna make this right. And we all do it. I've done it time and time and time. It, I'm a little bit, just a tiny bit of a control freak. And so I get a little out of control when I, I mean, when I feel like I'm out of control, if you will. And so I know that I get really impatient really quickly. And I start asking God, why am I here? Why are you doing this? Why? What are you trying to teach me? I'm not learning it. So can we just end it already? And it just gets really, really irritating really quickly. And if God would just do what I wanted, it would be better. And I think we've all been there from time to time. We've been on a long journey and we just get tired of waiting and we start complaining like they literally God was raining manna down from heaven. They would wake up. It fell from the sky and they complained. It's free food for life. <laughs> and they complained and they whined and we were tired of eating the same old thing. We don't like the way you're providing for us, God. We know that we said that if you provided for us, we would be okay with that and we would be glad. But now we want you to provide more in the way that suits us rather than just providing for us. Right? See, the thing about the Israelites that blows my mind is I really believe that it's what God used them to. It's just one of the most beautiful stories of God's redemption and grace and how he restores what was once lost and what was once broken. Because he took a people that were in slavery for hundreds of years, he brings them out, he performs a few tiny miracles, you know, like part to sea, stuff like that, uh, to get them across, to get them free from, from all of, from their slavery, from their bondage, from their past, from what held them behind, from how, what held them back. He promises to take them to a new place and give them a new life where they'll live in in, in in such richness that they'll never even be able to imagine. He can't even really explain it. And the journey gets a little long and they start whining and complaining and, and things just start getting hairy. And so God says, okay, fine. Fine, enough. And he, he rains snakes down from heaven. And people start getting bit and they start dying. Now, I want you to hear me. We're not talking about like a village sitting around a tent of like 14 people, okay? So thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And so they start getting, they they start getting bit and they come to Moses and they say, please, Moses, help us, help us, Moses, help us. And so Moses goes and prays and God being the graceful God that he is, says, okay, fine. Take a pole, put a snake on it and everybody looks upon it. It'll be fine. Everybody looks upon it will be fine. Now, I think about myself in this situation sometimes, uh, about this issue of I've just we're we're getting bit, you know. We, we've we it's rained down poisonous snakes. Things are a little bit hairy. The wrath of God is, a, a, is upon us. We're being punished for bad choices. Listen, I want to take just a brief segue sidebar minute, and I want to just I know, and and we never at one church, and I never personally want to run, have you running away from the bad things, hell and wrath and all that stuff, so that you can run towards God just to get, a, get out of hell free card. Because I just don't think that's what Je- Jesus is about, love and the price he paid for you and the grace he has for you. But sometimes we go to such a far extreme that we don't discuss, we don't talk about the wrath of God. We don't talk about the fact that when you make poor choices, when you sin against God, there is punishment. We forget that that's not real. And so in turn, when we do that, we minimize his grace and his mercy. When we say that it's okay, we don't talk about the wrath. We don't talk about what he actually saved us from, what He act, what Jesus actually came to fill the gap of. We just pretend there's no wrath, there's no consequence, there's no bad things. Then we minimize, in fact, the fact that he loves us enough that he paid that price so we wouldn't have to. So there is a God of wrath. And I know sometimes it gets you know, dumbed down and, and, and it seems cute when we talk about Noah's Ark and the animals and the boat, but there's stuff like that when in reality God killed everybody on the planet but a few people. God is a God that will punish those who go against Him. And when we don't talk about that, we don't discuss that, we minimize the grace and the mercy that He's offered us and that He's given us. And so I want to just let you know right there, like when 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 He punishes them, they deserved it. And he didn't have to do anything. He could have just sat back and said, man, I told y'all. I've done everything for you. I've provided everything for you. I've given you everything along the way that you needed. I've done miracles. I've performed crazy stuff. I mean, I don't know what else. I mean, I have had your back every step of the way. I parted an ocean so you could cross it. I've been with you every step of the way. I know in my own life, man, that happens all the time. I start thinking about me, I start focusing on me, and I forget about the fact that every step of the way, every moment, God has had my back, and he's provided for me just what I needed, and he's protected me, and he's not called me to something that he wouldn't finish. But a lot of times we forget, and we get out of control, and we want it's just taking too long. We start complaining and whining and disconnecting ourselves from God. And so, Moses goes and prays, and God says, take a snake, put it on a pole, and everybody that looks on it will be okay. And I think about myself in this moment. I think about myself as a father of four, my wife, a couple of us have gotten bitten, maybe. We're going to die. And I think about, what's my reaction going to be in this moment? What am I going to do? Am I going to go all sumo, half sumo wrestler, half ninja on everybody and just start barreling through the crowd to get? Because this isn't something where they can just put it up and you can just look and see it. I mean, it's, this is probably a million people. You've got to work through something. There's a crowd, if you will. And so you've got to get through it. You've got to get to it. You're going to have to walk. You're going to have to go. Everybody looks upon it. will be saved. And so or be will be healed. will be fine. And so I can just picture myself in this moment with my family, with my wife. And I've got my children and I'm just saying, okay, come hell or high water, we're getting to the snake. Come hell or high water, we're going to see it. We're going to put our eyes upon it because God's told us if we'll just see it, if we'll just look upon it, we'll be healed, we'll be restored, we'll be okay. And so right now, I want you to stay with dad or stay with mom and we're all going to stay together and we're not stopping for nothing. We're going to keep walking until we get there. We're going to go and we're going to go and we're going to go and we're going to go. And we are going to see the snake so that we can all be healed, so we all can be fine. So we can be restored and our family can be whole again. I could just see the moment like completely freaking my nine-year-old out and being like, we're going, you know, and, and we're going to move. And I, mean, I just know like at that moment, nothing else matters to me. I am passionately pursuing the snake. Because I want my family to be whole. I want my children to be okay. I want me and my wife to watch them grow up. And so in that moment, there's nothing that matters to me but getting to the snake. Now this is what is awesome. In John, Jesus quotes this verse. And he says, just like Moses lifted up a snake and everyone who saw it would be healed. So the son of man will be lifted up. And everyone that looks upon me will be saved. In that moment, I think about, I'm passionately going to pursue God. Because I've got to for my family, for my wife, for my children. In that moment, nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to go and I'm going to passionately pursue God. I'm going to passionately pursue going and looking upon the thing that will heal me, that will save me, that will restore me and my family. I'm going. And a lot of times in our Christian life and our journey and our relationship with God, we start to get really just kind of content and complacent. And we forget that the son of man is lifted up so that we can be saved, so that we can be healed, so we can be restored and put back together. And so we've got to completely focus on being passionately in pursuit of him passionately in pursuit of going after him and chasing after him and being obsessed with the things of God because it's the will of God for the people of God to become like Christ. It's not the will of God for the people of God to do what they want and hope Jesus is okay with it. It's the will of God for the people of God to become like Christ and our choices will inevitably, our choices will inevitably define us. And so we've got to become completely obsessed With pursuing the son of man that was lifted up on a cross. That all who should look upon him should be saved. Our choices should line up with the fact that that is what we believe. That is what we think. That's what we stand for. And life gets rough. And we do one of two things. We disconnect and we say, okay, I'm done. Or we lock in and we grab our family and we passionately pursue the cross. The cross. Things get easy and some of us, we start getting complacent, things, life's going well, and we, we forget. We're not worried. Or we passionately pursue the cross. But the bottom line is, generally, and a lot of times, especially in the American church today, pursuing the cross is conditional on you getting what you wanted from God. Did you get the good life? If so, you'll passionately pursue. Is things going rough? If so, you'll passionately pursue, so things get good again. And we stop processing through our life through the lens of it's the will of God for the people of God to become like Christ. And the choices we make will inevitably determine what people remember us by. And what I'm telling you that I'm telling you that I'm telling you is it's your call. It's, it's God's call in your life to passionately pursue the Son of Man who was lifted up so that he could save many. It's your, it's your call in your life to pursue that. And if you do that, your choices will start to reflect it. In your day-to-day-to-day life. It's it's not in the huge things. But it's in the daily choices that will make all the difference. It's in choosing to fight for that marriage that you don't want to fight for. It's in choosing to love that family that you hate. It's in choosing To do the right things, even when it hurts, even when it costs you. It's in choosing to be completely obsessed with Jesus' call in your life, that we should passionately pursue him, just as though we were going after the snake, so that if we lay our eyes on it, we can be healed and whole again, because Jesus came and died and paid a price for many, so that we could all be saved and we could all be whole again. And it's just as the Son of Man was lifted up, We pursue him and our choices start to change. It's hard to make daily, momentary choices like that. The rich young ruler, I think, might have made a different choice had he known what he was walking away from. But the bottom line is, is that his choice defined him in a lot of ways. It defines how we're talking about him and communicating about him right now. There's a lot of you in here that are being defined by the wrong things. They're not even bad things. They're just wrong. There's a lot of you that are completely defined. Your choices, everything in your life points to the fact that you are completely obsessed with being the perfect mother or the perfect father. Being a great mother and a great father is a great thing. But our call is first and foremost to passionately pursue God. And sometimes those things that are good get in the way of that. Because in that moment, God was calling the rich young ruler. Jesus was calling him to be a part of his story. And chose not to. And each and every person in here, I guarantee you, God's calling you in some way to be a part of his story. Because it's the will of God for the people of God to become like Christ. And so our choices have to reflect that. Our daily The daily grind, our daily choices, the little things we do, the little things we stand for and we live for, because in the moment, we're not always going to choose exactly how we should. And so we have to keep our mind, we have to keep our focus on the cross and pray that God will lead us in the direction he wants us to go. But it's all about making the choices every single day and not being defined by the wrong things. Don't let your life be summed up. By something other. Than pursuing. The cross. Pursuing Jesus. And we make it this really complicated idea. Of I have to sell everything. I have to burn my house down. I have to move to Egypt. And it's, it's not. God is going to call everybody to do different things. And he's going to take care of making sure. That if we're paying attention on him, he'll call us where we're supposed to go. He'll make sure it all gets taken care of. But it is maybe going to mean you have to give some things up along the way. It is maybe mean you're going to have to make some hard stances, some hard choices. Pursuing God and being completely focused on the will of God for the people of God to become like Christ doesn't mean that you need to leave here, set your car on fire, and and just start walking. It just means that in your day-to-day life, Your choices reflect what you say you believe. Here's what we're going to do. Here in a minute, there should be some guys with some buckets coming down. um, And they have some sticky notes in them, hopefully. And what you're going to do is we're going to pass the bucket and you're going to take a sticky note off of it. And you're going to take a minute and I want you to write down what defines you that Maybe shouldn't they're going to do it now? So don't be freaked out as they're coming along. They're they're going to you're going to write down what defines you that shouldn't, what defines you that isn't a pursuit of God that isn't Jesus. What have you let get in your life? What are the choices that you've made that maybe weren't always bad choices? But what are the choices that you made? How have they started to shape what you're defined by in a way that they shouldn't be? And so that could be different from everyone. For everyone, it doesn't need to be a paragraph. I don't need. A sticky note story, okay? I just want you to take a word, two, three, maybe, if it gets crazy. And I want you to write it down. And here in a minute, the band's going to come out after I pray. And and they're going to play a song. And while they're playing a song, we want you to write that down. And we want you to come. And I don't know if you could use your context clues, but I'm going to explain it anyway. You're going to come down the aisle that you're closest to. And you're going to stick it on the drywall. See, the first service already did it. And so, you're just going to write that thing down. That one, two, three words, whatever it may be. And then you're going to think you're going to come and you're going to stick it here. And here's what I want. I don't want to create some kind of moment where we all walk down and put sticky notes on the drywall. Okay? If I wanted to do that, I would have put sticky notes on the drywall by myself because it would have been more organized the way I like it. Okay? What I want is for you guys to process this, to pray about this, and to say, this is your act of putting it on the drywall and you're walking away from it. You're walking away from it and you're saying, at this moment, okay, I'm going to be obsessed with the cross, I'm going to be obsessed with. Chasing after and pursuing God in my own day-to-day life. And if you're not ready to do that, don't worry about it. I will kick you when you leave. No, I'm just kidding. Don't stress that. Don't feel the need to come and do it. I want you guys to make a conscious decision that you're going to put the sticky note on the drywall. You're going to walk away from it. And you're going to start making choices that line up with what you say you believe. Which is that Jesus was lifted up on the cross so that we could be saved, so we could have eternal life. And sometimes life just gets in the way of that. So when the band comes out a minute after I pray, that's what's going to happen. Just go down the aisle that you're closest to, stick it on on the drywall, take a minute, think about it, pray about it. And let this be a moment, an act of you walking away from it. Because it's the will of God for the people of God to become like Christ. And it's part of our lives that we start to make sure that we're okay with that. That we're okay with that even when it might cost us. Let's pray.